when families separate, that's the only thing that changes. They're still a family, they're still a mum and a dad, and the needs of their children remain the same. Hello, my name's Adele Ballantyne. I own and run Elida Consultancy and work as a relationship therapist and family consultant. I work with individuals, couples and families who are navigating their way through the process of divorce. I also provide a wide variety of training for legal professionals. Hello, this is Claire Colbert from Family Mediation and Mentoring. I'm an accredited mediator and the co-chair of the Parenting After Parting Committee for Resolution. Hello, I'm Marcy Shaul. I'm the director of The Co-Parent Way, which is the UK's only co-parent coaching practice. We work with parents who are separating and divorcing to get them to a place where they can communicate effectively about their children, whatever they feel about each other. I also sit on Resolutions Parenting After Parting Committee, and I'm really excited to be here today with Adele and with Claire. So all three of you are contributors to the excellent Parenting Through Separation, Putting Your Children First Guide, which Resolution has recently produced. Um, do you want to tell us a wee bit uh, what the guide covers and how people can get hold of a copy? So the Parenting Through Separation booklet um, took about 18 months to create in total. And um, the fabulous Parenting After Parting Committee has such a varied uh, selection of professionals um, that meet together once every few months and we use their expertise to create this guide and so it's very rich in information uh, from a, a variety of professionals psychotherapists lawyers um, psychologists so so it is one of the best resources around uh, well we think um, and it covers it's almost like the beginning of a, a separation, the break, the breakdown of a relationship, and it goes right through looking at all of the things that parents would need to know about what impact that separation is going to have on them as a family. Because when families, um, when partners separate, that's the only thing that changes. They're still a family, they're still a mum and a dad, and the needs of their children remain the same. And so that was what we had firmly in our minds when we came together to create this booklet. And it goes right from that breakdown, what you're feeling, what support you might need. It looks at what your new role is as a co-parent. Not many people um, have been in that position of, of being a co-parent. Uh, and so it's important that parents understand what that means and also what it could look like which is also covered in the booklet, if they get this right. We look at communication, how to get that as good as it can be, how to communicate if you don't really get on with your ex-partner and find it hard to speak to them. Uh, there are lots of tips and suggestions presented in a really easy format. It's, there's lots of colour, lots of images and bullet points little nuggets of information that are really helpful to parents. So they can sit down with a hard copy of this booklet or, or download the PDF, which they can find on the Parenting Through Separation section of the Resolution website and the address is resolution.org.uk forward slash parenting dash through 
dash separation forward slash. This is a free resource. We don't get much for free these days. So if they, they need it, you can share the PDF with them. Uh, as, as members of Resolution, you have access to this too. You can download all of it or just a section of it and share that with your client. That's what we wanted when we created this booklet, that it would be there for everybody to use. Uh, the information, just at a click of a mouse. And, um, you know, it looks at extended family, grandparents who are often the forgotten people in in separation and how important it is for those uh, relationships to be maintained um, and it looks at the bumps in the road things that they might not have even thought about yet new partners what happens if their children need to change schools what happens when you move house also really we've tried to think of absolutely everything and then right at the end we've got a, a legal bit. The, this booklet doesn't contain much legal information, but what it does contain is absolutely uh, on point for parents just to get them thinking about. It's the most common questions asked, really. And so towards the end, there's also a section on what if I've come out of an abusive relationship. So we've really tried to cover absolutely everything in this 40 page booklet so it's not a hefty tome to read you can flick through and get the information that you need that's um a really interesting look at how the parents and the litigants can use it how would you say it's best for family law professionals to use the guide so i i'm a mediator and the way i use the guide is that I send it to every single client who's coming to me with children even if it's not about children issues they're coming to see me about because it's a really user-friendly resource that's there not just for that moment but there for the future and so as a mediator I send it saying this is useful information for you as a co-parent that's available at any point for a lawyer it's a really useful resource to have before a first appointment or to give it a first appointment to talk through it a first appointment or to come back to later if a question arises and you as the lawyer just think oh I'm sure I read about that so for example if a client might say oh my child is seven and they're doing this and I'm not sure if it's because contact isn't working or if there's a problem or if it's just the kind of thing that would normally happen what do you think and sometimes it's really hard for us as the professional to comment on that because it's not when we're looking at it from family law perspective not our area of expertise and the guide gives some really great feedback about different responses from children at different ages what's normal what we might expect and how we can reassure those children and so I think the guide from a, a family law professional aspect is there as our safety net to catch us on the things we don't know about, to help us give our clients the tools to, to make this the best possible separation that they can. And also, I, whenever I've pointed um, family lawyers towards it, I've said, you know what, this is not the things, these are the things that you don't have to kind of know about. Give them the guide. It's almost a bit like and I, maybe I hesitate to say this, but a little bit like a guess out of jail card, right? Because when you're confronted as a family law professional with a client in a very high state of emotion, that's not for everybody. Not everybody wants to or knows how to deal with that. And this guide certainly doesn't give them the tools to kind of solve everything, but it, it's a great anchor for clients that are starting out on their journey. And I think the anchor bit is really nice for family lawyers to go, right, here you go. This is written. And the other thing to say is it's written not in legal speak, right? It's written for parents 
because we need to get certain amounts of information across to parents. So it needs to be in a way that they can uh, read and understand it. So it's quite useful as that anchor too. Marcin, maybe you could talk to us a wee bit as well about what what co-parenting actually is and why you put this huge emphasis on it. Absolutely. Um, so co-parenting is is almost like the ideal state that you you want to get parents to during and after their separation. You know, it's the if you think of co-parenting like a, a like a, a loop of elastic where both parents are holding up one end of the elastic and their children are in the middle, you need both parents to be ha- holding that elastic tight. So the parental loop is nice and safe around the children. And that's co-parenting. When one parent steps out of that, doesn't want to engage, is in some kind of fear response or just wants to be very acrimonious, they drop their side of that loop. And when they drop that side of their loop, then the children are not held in a safe and stable way. And when they're not held in a safe and stable way, that can cause really significant problems to their resilience, to the way they form and function in relationships and, you know, the rest of their lives going forward into adulthood. So co-parenting, Simon, is it's fundamental where it's safe to do so. It's not always safe to do so where there are particular safeguarding issues, but often, often it is. And so it's about parents taking that responsibility. And I think we see now this shift from, oh, you know, um, mum takes kids most of the time, dad takes kids, you know, we've takes the kids every other weekend. We've moved away from that, but we still feel like we're in this kind of bit of no man's land. And what what we at at the Parenting After Passing Committee urge, what I urge in my day-to-day work of the co-parent way is actually we've got to take responsibility as parents to uphold our bit of the parental loop. That's what co-parenting is and and why it's important. Sounds to me that like co-parenting is something that's important whether you're in the relationship or whether you're out of the relationship But what about the people who have never been able to co-parent? Perhaps that's why their relationship um, broke down in the first place. Does that create a particular difficulty in them being able to to do so in the future or after they've separated? I think it's varied because a lot of the time what we're looking at here is trust. And we are trusting an ex-partner who we have fallen out with, don't like very much, sometimes, a lot of the time. And if there's been a breach of trust in the relationship, that's a different sort of course of, of emotional surges, if you like, that, that is very different from our trust in being a parent. And we are we are trusting our ex with our most precious, precious children. Parents don't own children, although sometimes when you're talking to them, it would seem like they do, my children rather than our children. And sometimes reframing, helping people to understand that actually they are both responsible. Responsibility is a a, a key word Marcy and I use a lot in our work. You are responsible. You don't have rights as parents. Children have rights. Parents have responsibilities. And your children need you to be responsible for them and about them and so quite often reframing positions so understanding 
actually what can go wrong and the research is is absolute in its findings that what happens to children in high conflict divorce cases is all of those things that Marcy mentioned and I find that explaining that to parents can sometimes really get them to shift uh, because we see as therapists as as co-parent coaches we see what happens with children I work with children all the time who say oh you know I I can't do anything with mum and dad you know because one says one thing the other says the other so so quite often it's about trying to get the parents to sit in their children's shoes and imagine what life is like for them and learning to build that trust as co-parents and helping those parents see that the two lots of trust are different and that the relationship breakdown issues are completely separate. That's about two adults who were together, had a relationship, created children and the devastation that occurs through that. But that's completely separate from what mums and dads do and remembering always that your children only ever see you as a mum and dad, first and foremost, forever. And and that's important to to keep that precious for them. So reframing, helping them to build trust in a new relationship and to take on board the responsibilities and to understand that actually co-parenting is about not doing things identically. It's okay to do things differently and to parent differently, you know, but maybe there's some alignment on some key issues. So sometimes by asking parents who are not agreeing to say what's important about bringing up their children quite often you can find maybe a couple of things that they do agree on. So that's a really good place to start. The guide puts a lot of emphasis on the idea that it's important that parents are selfless. In other words, that they prioritise their children's need to spend time with the other parent, the other parent's extended family and so on. And that that might mean that the child as a result spends less time with them I I guess the dilemma for a lot of us is that we are only working with one parent and quite often that parent will feel that they are indeed being very child focused and very selfless but that the other isn't what 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 can be done to try and, and make sure that both parents achieve the same mindset That's a really difficult question to answer. Um, I would start by saying, and then maybe others can jump in, but I would start by saying that let's be careful about using the word and the term selfless because um, actually we're still human beings. You know, I'm still Marcy, even though I'm a mother and even though I'm a co-parent, right? So we need to make sure that parents uh, kind of rebuild their own lives so they are feeling fulfilled and and kind of happy and um, you know there's a lot going on for them in their own life as well almost so they can then step into that place where they can co-parent because if they don't have that it's very difficult to then go oh, well, I'm just going to put my children first all the time because there's nothing, almost nothing to fall back on. There's there's not much in their pot, in their bucket, right? Their resilience bucket. So when when I'm doing co-parent coaching, we're always kind of, you have to look at it as, as the bigger picture, right? Make sure mum has got some, you know, some stuff in her bucket, dad's got, or whatever the parental makeup is. Um, 
And then looking at the co-parenting side of things. Now, in terms of that selfless piece, it's really trying to find a, a point of alignment, right? So if, if I don't want my child to go to see grandma from the other house because I want, I'm going to miss out time with them, then I need to remember to flip it around. What would it be like if my child wasn't being allowed to come and see my parents, right? So just to try and bring in as family law professionals, some idea of perspective, okay? What's important for you, but also what might be important in the other house? Because whatever you put out, will often come back to you. And I think that's why it's great that Resolution is really focusing on this idea of co-parenting and kind of working in a collaborative space because um, that is definitely the best thing for the kids. I'm sure others have things they want to say about that. Yeah, I I would agree with all of that, Marcy. And it is about mindset, you know, and, and the fact that, you know, we are we are unique individuals. We have our own ways of thinking about what parents are and what parenting should look like. And we come with that into our relationships. That doesn't just, it, you know, happen the minute we get together. It's impressed upon us from our own upbringing and the relationships that we have witnessed. And so if we've grown up in a family where we've had very little to do with our grandparents, we might not understand the importance of what that relationship does to our to the grandchildren. But, you know, generally what happens when couples pick each other is that they pick the opposite of what their own childhood experience has been. So if you come from a family which will talk when anything happens, where people will listen to you and encourage you to express your feelings, say how you feel, show emotion. Chances are you're going to have picked somebody who is the complete opposite of that. So so in those moments when you are together and things are happy, actually it's about how you manage those differences. And sometimes the problems that you see as, as lawyers with your clients seem huge, lots of parenting difficulties, things that, 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 that you know, some parents won't budge from, that must clean their teeth three times a day. You know, there, there are really key things that parents hook into. And, and in, in a happy relationship, those things tend to get managed quite well, but once once parents separate then those things can seem enormous and and it's it's important to understand that we acknowledge that they will parent differently but what children tell us and what we can absolutely say with uh, confidence is that children can handle it you know children can manage different rules in different houses they can manage different ways of parenting as long as the boundaries are clear as long as they know they can bounce on the sofa at mum or dad's house but they can't at their other parents house as long as they know that and and the the rules are clear children are fine with that what they don't like is parents attacking each other and shouting at each other and telling through their children that what the other parent is doing wrong so it is about empowering and having support for parents who might come out of a relationship feeling a bit battered getting some good support getting them to a place where actually they can turn it around and see that there is a future that they can get out there and that can help so much 
The other thing that we often hear from our clients is uh, they have very different views about what their children want, about what their wishes and feelings are. In the guide, you identify some of the key indicators that people can look out for for each age group, particularly the younger age groups. Before I go on to ask you about that, perhaps you could, first of all, explain to us some of the indicators for each of the age groups. There are many different reactions that children have, depending on how old they are, depending on, you know, how they've been parented, many, many things. it's it's multifaceted really but what we do know is that even babies are affected by their parents uh, separation when there's high conflict so what you might see are changes in their behavior they might cry more they might be more agitated and, and fractious toddlers children who are getting a bit older maybe they are potty trained they're, they're, they're not wearing nappies anymore and suddenly they might regress they might go back to soiling and and what we know is that with younger children in particular, certainly up to maybe 10, 11, what you tend to see more is a, a shift in behaviour. Young children struggle quite often to express feelings because they don't really know what they are. They just know that they don't feel like they felt before. So what we see is a shift in their behaviour. And it's often difficult as a parent to sit down and say, what's wrong? How you, you don't seem yourself because the children struggle to express that. What we do know is that children are brilliant at expressing themselves when distracted. So there's a series of books that I use with, with children by uh, the brilliant Kay Brophy, who is a, a, a child psychologist. And she's created this Lifeland series The Angry Alien, The Frightened Fairy, and they're brilliant books that you can sit and read as a parent. And through The Angry Alien, children can start to express their feelings and they're an excellent resource. There are lots of others which are um, in the resource page, parents are guided to and on the resolution website in the parenting section. There are lots of resources there that parents can look at. And I would suggest that uh, parents do have a look at that. And in fact, um, members take a look at that uh, because it will help when advising uh, parents where to go to get help. Teenagers, of course, are often stuck in the middle. And what we see quite often, particularly with male children, is that if a, a father has left a family home then that child particularly if they're an older child but but not always the eldest in the birth order will take on dad's role will take on that male head of the household if you like and that's such a huge responsibility I was talking to an adult the other day he's 33 he remembers suddenly being the head of the household at 11 when his dad left so I think that you know we've got to be mindful Girls, teenage girls tend to become their mum's rock and the mums will share all of that information about the heartache they're feeling. It's the worst thing that you can do to children because they have no power to change anything. And yet they hear all of this information that they don't have the experience of life to understand because they haven't been in an adult relationship that has broken down because they're children. So a lot of the work is trying to help parents to understand that and help them to find other outlets so that they're not 
putting their children in the middle. Marcy, I think you wanted to say something. Just to add to what you said, what you brilliantly said, actually, and that is, you know, kids' brains do not finish developing until they are in their early 20s, right? So they do not have the nuance that we as adults who've kind of lived a bit have. So that the, when they can see their parents in conflict, you know, and they can take things really literally, that can really have an impact on their, you know, on their understanding of life, on their emotional health. But also, you know, it can often cause kids to act out. Um, you know, there might be really inappropriate behaviors, especially around teenagers um, who might just start engaging in, you know, early sexual activity or drug use or, you know, gang stuff or, you know, the whole spectrum, unfortunately, out there. And it's just from a family law perspective to remember to remind our clients that their kids' brains do not finish developing until they are young adults, until they're in their early 20s. And just to finish, I agree with that entirely, Marcy, but what I would also say is that there is a great difference between a parent who says, oh, they're 11, but going on 21, they are so intelligent, they are so mature for their age. Actually, there's a huge difference from being an articulate child and one who is emotionally mature. Huge difference. Do not confuse an articulate child for a mature child, because mature children, in my experience, don't exist. They can't, they can't understand this. So be, just a word of warning. That's certainly a confusion that I think we all get. The other thing that we find as lawyers appearing on one side or the other is that the parents may give totally different accounts of how they say the child is behaving. So, for example, you might get the person who is maybe doing the majority of the care saying, well, before they go and after they go, they're exhibiting some of these anxious behaviours. And then you get the person who's spending time with the child saying they, they have never revealed any anxieties to me and they're confident. And if anything, they want to, you know, it's clear they want to stay more. How does your guide help us with that? What, what, what can we do about that as lawyers trying to find our way through those differences? So firstly, the guide covers the non-negotiables. So when it is safe to do so, the the, the number one uh, non-negotiable is you see both parents. You spend time with both parents. They love you. You love them. And when it is safe, that does not change. First and foremost, then the guide goes, goes through that. I think quite often, you know, what children will do, they're in the middle of this. If so if their parents have fallen out and there's arguments or they hear one parent saying bad things about another parent, it puts a child firmly in the middle because they love their mum and dad. And they're trying to cope with all of this and they don't know what to do. So if you have a scenario where a child is about to leave a parent who is sad, Because the biggest thing that parents have to get used to is the fact they're not going to see their kids as much as they thought they would. The reality is that in normal families, normal, I use that very sparingly, but in a a family that's together, as your kids get older, you don't really start to see them very often because as they grow, they start to explore the world around them and they've sort of gone anyway. But when you separate 
this time apart from your children becomes a huge focus. And so if your child sees a parent who is sad because they're they're worried, you know, oh, gosh, is mum or dad going to be, what are they going to do when I go and see the other parent? How, how is that going to be? It's hard for that child to go off all skipping and happy if that parent who is being left isn't encouraging them to do so. Go and have a great time with your dad. You know, just just don't worry about me. I've got loads of stuff I'm doing. You know, we need parents to be saying that to their children so their children feel that it's okay to have a relationship with with that other parent and the extended family. They're not going to do that if they're worried about the parent they're leaving behind. They're not going to do that if they feel when they come back from visiting the other parent that if they've had a good time, that upsets the, the other parent as well. So children have to adapt their behavior in order to please both parents so what they will give a parent who is leaving is the performance needed to show that parent they still love them and so many will say after um after a handover um oh they were crying for the first 30 seconds and then they were like, what are we doing today and it's on off switch very quick with children they their emotions are very close to the surface a lot of the time you know and you see your own children if you have them one minute they're really laughing the next they're crying and then they're back to laughter again so children's emotions are much more fluid than ours and they let them out they express them if, if encouraged to do so uh, but certainly when they're little they will do that a lot so so quite often it's about helping parents to understand that that behavior will happen if they don't feel comfortable going to see the other parent. So again, reframing, repositioning and explaining that when it's safe to do so, they need that relationship with the other parent. They will gain so much from that. Doesn't mean they love you any less. They love you both the same. I think listening to you, a lot of professionals, particularly lawyers who listen, are going to find that a lot of this is outside of their comfort zone it's not the stuff that you're taught at law school what what can professionals do to support their clients through this difficult process that's why the guide's so brilliant Simon because as lawyers and mediators and family law professionals we know our stuff we don't know the other stuff and this guide talks a lot about the other stuff that we would and do get a huge amount of information that we can give to clients that means that we don't have to answer the questions because the guide does for us so when a client says I don't know how to tell my children that we're, we're separating and divorcing I'm really worried about that the guy's got a whole section on it or I'm not sure how I deal with introducing a new partner to my children and what's that what's that going to do again there's a whole section in the guide so for professionals this is almost a, a safety net for us or a comfort blanket when it's outside of our our remit and what we know inside out because we're so used to going to the law to find the answer this is the equivalent of our matrimonial causes act of the other stuff and so it tells us exactly what we need to know or where we can signpost people because there's a great section at the back of book of other places to go on other areas of information where the guide might not cover something in enough detail or it's a different issue that hasn't been covered because we tried to cover everything in it but you know it was going to turn into a little bit of a an encyclopedia if we went on too much. Thank you. I think one of the striking things about the Parenting After Parting group is how multidisciplinary you are. I mean, the three of you 
right now are very multidisciplinary, but the whole the whole the whole group is as well. What have you learnt about different professional mindsets, and how can all of us learn to work better together? Do you think? Well, I've had a, the joy of being on the committee for a number of years, and uh, I've been co-chair with Adele of the committee for the last year, I think now. And I have learnt so much from my colleagues on that committee. I have a legal background um, and now mediator, but have never really worked with child therapists, co-parent support, divorce coaches, psychologists, all of these other people with so many skills, such a brilliant toolbox of things that they bring. And enhance my practice and then what's so lovely is that the committee have an opportunity to bounce ideas and we all learn from each other and we all improve our own practices from what we're hearing and so that's why I think that the multidisciplinary side of the committee is so valuable and has created such a good guide because there's a bit of emotional there's a bit of psychology there's a little bit of practical there's some legal there's a bit of communication so hopefully all of our skills have been mishmashed together to give the best it can of, of everybody's skills and we, we separated different sections of the book for different skill sets so that we tried to get the best out of everyone we could and then we all swapped it so everybody could add an input and everybody had little other ideas of things they've done uh, things that have worked for them uh, and it, it meant that hopefully it's the best possible resource we could make it. At the point of recording, your guide is it's a year old now. Have you had a lot of feedback from professionals or lay clients who've used it? Perhaps you could share some of it with us. Yeah, we've had both and we've been absolutely bowled over by the brilliant feedback. I've personally had clients who in mediation who have said the guide has made a fundamental difference to the way they've approached issues. So where they might have gone in at 100 miles an hour with what they thought was right and what their lawyer had told them what they should be fighting for. Just reading through the guide had made them think twice and think, okay, well, should I communicate it like that or is there a different way to communicate it? And we've also had some brilliant feedback. We were at the resolution conference together and lots of people came up to us at the conference and talked to us about the guide. It is flying off the shelves in terms of hard copy and PDF, which is brilliant. But lawyers are ordering batches of 10 or 20 or 30 so that they can give them out to clients. And that in itself, we think, is the best feedback we could have, because if lawyers are prepared to buy a copy and think it's a valuable investment for their clients, that to me is saying it's working. I have to say everybody that we've spoken to has been so praiseworthy that we've all got a bit embarrassed. Um, we're not changing our careers, but that there's been that temptation. Do we just all go into publishing? You know, th this could be the way forward. So does it follow from that that you're going to be keeping it up to date and issuing new, new improved versions? Well, much to the upset of the team at Resolution, we do keep talking about it. So when we have our regular committee meetings, update stroke feedback is always on our agenda to talk about. And as soon as each print batch sells out, we're talking about, OK, well, what could we add? Has anyone thought of anything that's missed off or needs to be updated or terminology has changed? And although a lot of the guide isn't going to go out of date, a lot of what we talk about is going to be true forever. You know, that's not going to change. There will be little things web addresses are changing and things so any chance we get to make it any better we'll be doing if people have some feedback for the committee or some thoughts for future review what's the best best way they can get hold of you 
yeah, they can email any of us and all of our details are on the resolution website under the PAP committee, or they can just email the info at resolution and that will get to us uh, that way. We're absolutely happy if there's anybody that has client feedback good or bad because we can learn from the bad just as much as the good uh, or if they think there's anything that we could include in the guide that isn't included at the minute we'd absolutely love to hear it because we want this to be the best resource both for lawyers for their clients for mediators for their clients for any law professional or other professional working um, with clients going through family separation or, or from a client's perspective of anything they've said that they think they would like then let us know and we'll do our best to include it in the next update but just don't tell resolution because they don't know that we're going to keep updating it. <laughs> could, could I just add there as well? I, I agree, Claire. And all I would say is, you know, early intervention with our clients is absolutely key. The sooner we can get this booklet, the information contained within it, to our clients, the better. Because like Claire said, it can transform the next time you meet that, that client walking through your door, they'll go away, read that, that booklet, have so much information, really learn about what can happen to their children if they don't get it right. But also within that booklet are the skills, the strategies that will help them to get it right. So it's not just informing and leaving it at that. It's helping parents to shift from where they are to co-parenting. So early as you can. So on that first appointment or even before they come, share, share, share as much as you can. Thank you so much. I agree. It's a really inspirational piece of work. And having met the three of you, I now know why it's so inspirational. It was marvellous. Thank you very much. Thank you.